0: Plan on finishing up the book of James today, James chapter 5. Quite a start to the chapter. Come now, you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. (laughs) Just what you like to read, isn't it? Your riches have rotted, your garments are moth-eaten, and your gold and silver have corroded against their corrosion. There will be evidence against you. And will eat your flesh like fire. The Bible doesn't speak against wealth. In fact, I think the original call, when he says, take dominion over the earth and subdue it, is a stewardship call that speaks of blessing and utilizing what the earth has. But what James starts to go after is that often that turns into self-indulgence and waste. That regularly what was intended for our good gets turned into uh, a perversion simply because we want to consume it on ourselves. And so when we walk through a passage like this, it's still important that we let it breathe to us particularly when we recognize that we're in a wealthy nation. Um, one of the things that stands out to me is that he's speaking of a corrosion a corruption coming even with wealth. And I look around our country, and I tend to say some of that's taking place so gradually that we don't necessarily recognize it coming upon us. Um, let me give you one example in, re- in regard to our food system. Now, you know that I've had interest in this area over recent years, but do you realize that the estimates go from 7 to 10 calories of oil energy are used for one calorie of food produced? That that kind of thing is a, a resource you're not going to rebuild but there's still that much going into the production of food so that uh, what we have is, you know, 50% of that is the production, the transport, the um, packaging, you know, the, the movement of it, or the the fertilizers and all the rest. But 31% is just uh, on refrigeration used in, in home use. So there there are things that you look at and go, How long can that go on? Well, maybe that's part of the corrosion coming from a nation that's lived well, but it really hasn't always used it in a way that they should. Um, In fact, there are estimates that two percent of our total oil consumption goes into waste that we use in regard to food. Um, In uh, 4,000 calories... I'll only go a little longer on this rant. (laughs) Food is produced at the rate of 4,000 calories per person per day. 2,500 calories is what the average, 2,544 is what the average intake is per person. But that's still 25% higher than what we consumed in 1970. So, you know, that consumption end has gone heavy, but it... There's an extreme amount of of waste. Um, In fact, they say as much as 21% of food produced in our country is wasted. So just in case you know, want to know. Is there a corruption or corrosion already taking place? I'll leave it to you to decide. Um, That said, what is James going after here? What would he call us to? Uh, what you know? I mean, it's I can give you scary statistics, but what what is where should that take us? Let's read on a little bit, and then I'd I'd like to go after that. He says, "You've laid up treasures in the last days. Behold, the wages of laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you." Um, He says, you've lived on the earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You've fattened your hearts as in the day of slaughter. That's an incredible picture, isn't it? Um, There are three things that stand out to me in regard to this. In gathering and storing to yourself, there's that idea that your security is in your wealth. Jesus warned us against such things. You know, he, he said, consider the sparrow. I take care of them. Why wouldn't I take care of you? But he also, in a sense, mocked the man who said, well, I, I've got a lot. I'll just build a bigger barn. And the, the, the de- declaration goes, well, who knows, but your life might be required of you tonight. And so this, the idea of storage for security is something that we f- have to fight against particularly when we have an abundance. Secondly, he says, you've built wealth off of others' pain. In other words, you gained by fraud, you gained by standing on the backs of others. And so there has to be an awareness that says, am I profiting from others' harm? Am I gaining from others' sorrow and struggle? And so the challenge in our lives becomes, even if I see it, can I tangibly make different choices? But in our own selfishness, we know even on a family level how often it comes out that I want this in spite of what you want, or I don't even care what you think, just this is what I want. Well, expanded, there's that idea that sometimes what we have is just, has been gained because of other sorrow, and that's not good in God's economy. Thirdly, he says, you know, a luxurious, self-indulgent lifestyle, again, is something that um, the question is, why is that money in your hand? Is it just for you to spend on yourself? Are there other purposes? Remember in Corinthians when Paul was receiving an offering, he says you've, it's been put in your hand so that you can bless others. You have an opportunity to, to use. And I guess one of the things that came out to me as I was walking through this passage this week is this awareness that we're so individualistic within our culture that sometimes we don't think on a community scale. And yet what we are called to within the kingdom of God is to think of others. And so part of that is that what we have been enabled to share or what we have been put, what's been put into our hands, part of that is to be used for the blessing of others and to assist others in their lives as well. So that rather than just stepping into another form of luxury, rather than just trying to take on more security, and for sure to keep from stepping on others, is to look at others with compassion and say, there are things that I can do that will bless this life. And just like the illustration of the cup of coffee, sometimes we don't think on the scale of three bucks, or five bucks, wherever you buy it, you know, but it's, it's that thing of what, what am I going to do in a small measure that can truly bless others and then think on a grand scale as well. But if I think in community terms, if I think that all of us are in this together and that we're all children of God and that we all have the mark of His image upon our lives, then others' lives become very important to me as well. And so, when I, when I walk through the passage like this, and he says, There's a danger that we have when we gather unto ourselves and when we spend it on ourselves and when we use it just without considering others, he says, what, What's the real, where does that money need to go instead? And there needs to be an awareness of, of the, the effect that it has toward others. And I don't want a temporal mindset. I want a mindset that thinks of eternity. I, uh, on Wednesday night, Charlie went back to that passage that is being key in our church. Be fruitful. Fill the earth. Multiply. Subdue. Subdue. Take dominion over, but he took all five of those words as individual terms, and and I I really appreciated that. But then it's, I spent the rest of the week chewing on it and going. I <laughs> when Jesus says, "It's to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit," you know it, it, it has powerful implications. When you see Jesus at the end of time, what is the picture? New heaven and new earth with Jesus having dominion over all things. He's going to set the example and show us how it's done. He's going to show us what was intended from the beginning of time. And with that, creation works with us in carrying out things. I mean, you talk about trees with healing in their leaves. We haven't got there yet that we know of. Uh, When, you know, a river of life going out, what... Those pictures—they're not just, um, you know, not just poetic, but in a very real sense, he had intent that that speaks to the eternal. And so, we look at the temporal and we say, "Well, we need to learn some of those lessons now." That's that's part of our what he's tasked us with doing. Um, let's move on from that because I have a couple other things I want to go over, but in 5 verses 7 and 8. He says, be patient uh, until the coming of the Lord. He says, we have to live with this eternal mindset, and so there's a patience that has to take over our lives in the temporal. He says, farmers wait for their crops, you know, they plant in the spring, they harvest in the fall. He says, there's that same approach in regard to the kingdom of God. There is something coming that's that's bigger and better in the way of harvest than we will ever see in this lifetime. He says, you have to live your life accordingly. Uh, Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. And then he goes on and says, don't grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. The judge is standing at the door. So in light of this eternal perspective and Jesus coming back and judging the earth, he takes it into our speech and says, don't grumble against each other. It's destructive. It's detrimental. He's saying if, if, you, if you're thinking eternally, this complaining about each other, that's not a good thing. It's been so strong in my heart as, as we've walked through some of this in, in recent weeks of the, the language of eternity is love. The the coinage of eternity is is love. The, the, the way of treating each other, the only way that you can live eternally with another is is to love. Hard enough to get through 50, 60 years of marriage without love. You'll never make it eternally with somebody without love. And, and so what's been brought to us is God saying, this is this is how I live live with an eternal perspective. I am loving. <laughs> he says, that's why I want you that to be a part of your lives as well. And if we were to truly understand heaven's ways of doing things, we'd recognize you cannot live with someone else for years and years and years and years and years, and years without love being the language between you. You'll just... It, it would be destructive to live any other way. So he, he hones in on that. This, this, this pastor of the church who's sending this letter out to the nations, he's, he's going, community is such that, you know, you spend your time glum, grumbling against each other. That is not going to work. He says, as an example of suffering and patience, consider the prophets who spoke, and then he lists Job, and, you know, at the end of life, Job's life was better than what had been. You know, there was a, a payback, even though he went through all this, this struggle and sorrow. He says, that, that's, a, that's an illustration of our Lord being compassionate and merciful. So he says, even though in a moment things may not be all that wonderful, you still have this hope that's set out in front of you, and you cling to that. And he says, moving on then, my brothers, don't swear either by heaven or by earth or oath um, that you may not fall under condemnation. The only way that I can put these phrases, don't grumble and don't swear and such, is that, again, it's with this eternal perspective and a loving attitude that says, I have to be careful about my choice of words. I have to be careful how I communicate with others because I am thinking in terms of the eternal. Whether that's clear or not, that's the best I'm going to do today on that section. <laughs> I don't always feel happy with the <laughs> end of what I've done. Lord, use it better than what I did uh, in their hearts. Let's go on. Because this this is an amazing ending to me. Is any one of you among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call on the elders of the church. And let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. I admit to you, honestly, that there is more to be had in this than what I've discovered yet. I would love to see it effective each and every time. Uh, I think that's set out there. It's thrown out and said, okay, this is available. But what also stirs me in this is that, you know, the Jewish mindset linked uh, illness and, and sin much tighter than what we tend to do. We don't tend to want to even acknowledge sin, and so the fact that some of our illnesses are sin-related are are things that we would seldom ever want to acknowledge. Sometimes the physical pain that we suffer is a result of our own egos pushing us past limits that weren't meant to be surpassed. And yet we would never say, "Eh, it was just an ego thing. We would say, oh, you know, I just... I worked out too much and, you know, it'll heal, you know, but we would never want to admit that it was sin to start with. But that said, in this passage, there's an awareness that even though you might have stepped into uh, illness as a result of sin, there's still this opportunity for healing to come with it. How incredible is that? Sin forgiven, healing coming. You know, I, 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 I tend to get caught up on the healing side of it, but sin's forgiven as we function together. That's amazing. He takes it even further. He goes, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. prayer of a righteous person has great power and it's working. You know, part of that whole thing of accountability is he placed us in community and I believe that some sin isn't taken care of until it comes out in declaration to others and pray with me. Why? Because we, he's, he's caused us to need each other. And if we were all just taking care of it on our own, we'd never have to declare this is a problem that I have, but we would never interact to the level that what we are called to if we want to walk in full health. And there are times when you will note that if you make declaration, I failed in this area, and you pray with another, somehow that bringing it out into the open is the healing course and it, it actually sets us free. Well, duh, that's what the Scripture said. But when we finally apply it, there's like, oh, you've got to be kidding, it's done. Yet the beauty of this passage is that there's opportunity for us. And again, it's that community pool that he places us in. You know, we're, you know, through eternity, we're living with each other. So he says, let's learn how to do this now. And he opens the door and says, there are some things that you're not going to get taken care of until you bring it to others. There are measures of healing that aren't going to be available to you until you call on others. There are measures of forgiveness that are not going to be, you're not going to live in victory until you bring others into the equation. It's an amazing thing. In my pride, I'm going, I don't want to tell you my junk. That would have mean I'd have to admit who I really am to you. And yet, that's exactly what he's asking of us, if we want to walk forward in him, if we want to grow at a level that's available to us. So there's great power in that kind of prayer. Then he gives the illustration of Elijah. Man with a nature like ours prayed fervently that it might not rain for three and a half years. It didn't. And we're going, yeah, but that was Elijah. And yet his point is, he was just an ordinary person. Yeah, but, I mean, he was the Old Testament prophet, Elijah. Yeah, he was an ordinary person. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. His illustration is therefore a benefit, not to say, well, that's how the saints did it and You know, maybe you can live up 10% of that. It's not the declaration. Declaration means there's an opportunity for transformation through ordinary people as they pray with each other. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wanderings will save his soul from death and uncover a multitude of sins. Again, here's another reason for community activity together. He's going, we have a tendency to wander. Behold the joy when somebody else goes and and pulls them back. I heard last week of a couple of our little kids that wandered off and parents had to go looking for them and found them out in the woods and, you know, in a, bad situation for themselves. But the parents (laughs) found the wandering children brought them back. In a sense, saving their lives until they get to know better what's needed. Well, in the same way, that wander word used for us means that there are times when we do some stuff that's really stupid, could destroy our lives. If we have community around us that is willing to, it can call out and call us on those things and draw us back into a place of health and safety in the Lord. And you look at that and you're just going, I need people. I need to have that spoken into my life. I need to have others saying, uh, You're not doing very good here. Let's get it right. You know, the, the, there's a wrestling with what does it mean by save him from a multitude of sins? And I'm not absolutely certain, but, but listen to this out of Timothy. I think maybe it gives light into this. It says, keep close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. And you keep speaking truth, and there's an opportunity for your own life to prosper, but also others. So God help us, you know, when we, when we walk through this, to, to look at it and just say, you've placed wealth in our hands, but help us to use it in a way that honors, truly honors you and give appropriate consideration for those that you've brought us into life with and brought around. And then, then secondly, you know, in view of eternity and this mindset Take our speech, you know, as we've looked through this book, take our speech, you know, don't let us get caught up in grumbling and, and swearing in, in, about things that, that, that where our speech shouldn't go, but help us to use it in a way that builds and lifts up and encourages. Help us to use the phrasing that would be used through eternity. And then finally, as we walk through this, Lord, help us to recognize that we have a benefit of community, but we also have a responsibility to be speaking truth to each other and to drawing each other into righteousness. So often we we say, well, you know, I can just do this by myself. I go out on Mount Marquette or I go out, you know, I go out, and I, I get in the woods, and, and God speaks to me, and that's good enough. Well, that's, it's great that He speaks to you there, but that's not the full picture. Until you discover community, you're missing a vast portion of what He has for you. But the wonder is that the, the joy is He speaks to us in both settings for a wholeness to be brought into our lives, preparing us for an eternity that's amazing. Thank you for your scripture that speaks life to us. Thank you that we have community to not only pour into it, but to be poured into. Lord, we ask even in this morning that you would cause us to evaluate and say what way should i be spending the wealth that you've placed in my hands and lord examine our speech and cause us to see what we can say that would be uplifting and beneficial and finally lord for healing and forgiveness cause us to be willing to humble ourselves to receive prayer from others but also lord help us be willing to pray and draw and restore others back to you. Amen. A couple things this morning. There are so many in here that are gifted in regard to prayer. Um, I, I want to give opportunity for you to come forward for prayer, but I, I don't necessarily want it to just be wait until somebody gets up front. For those of you that have the gift... Ask that you pray that God give you a name of someone to pray with now rather than wasting all that time just waiting, okay? And then, secondly, um, there may be an issue of healing or sin that you need to deal with, and you know that God is telling you you need to make confession to someone. Find someone that you trust. That's That's as important as any single thing. Find someone that you trust, and you know will pray with you, not just share your misery. And uh, we'll ask for healing in that regard. Um, We we continue to recognize God wants to transform us, and He uses each other to do that by the power of His Holy Spirit. And He will do things through our lives that we didn't dream possible because in the physical, it isn't possible. But by God, it takes place. What a wonderful thing that is. So again, if you want prayer, then seek it out. But also, if you have that gift, go seek out someone and begin to minister that way. May your blessing rest on these, your people. May they know the fullness of favor that you intend for their lives. May they discover with joy what true community is in you. I ask as each one goes out into the community and to our society. I ask that you give them words of life to speak over others. I ask that you enable them to carry out the workings of your kingdom. Gift them with the supernatural. Be lifted up and exalted, our Lord, we pray. We love you this day. Amen. Amen. God bless you.